in the street without cops around. Imagine going to court with no trial. Lifestyle cruiser, blue Bahama waters. No welfare supporters. More time to go the way we raise our daughters. Days are shorter, nights are colder. Feeling like life is over. These snakes strike like it's over. The world's hot, my son got knocked. Evidently, in elementary, they want us all gone eventually. Proof without a place or a place. Knowledge is cooked without the job. We don't have the top dollars. Imagine everybody flashing. Fashion designer clothes. Making your click up with diamond gold. Your people go to Dodo for gold. Of what we need to adequately take care of ourselves. 
Since we're not exposed to the information in the healthcare field, I was reading an article in the Huffington Post by Dr. John White, also from the medical field. He said that blacks will die sooner than white folks. Is that true, or if it is true, why is that? And you were saying it's been it's like, due to the due to the health care that we that we receive as a whole. Well, I will say that to answer the first part of your question, whether that is true or not, I have it's been my experience that yes, that is the case. Um, and I will say that because in my experience, many of us as black men and women are just not told of the different screening tools that are available in order to prevent certain disease. For example, uh, with men, prostate cancer is, is very prevalent, especially in our black men. And a lot of our black men don't get prostate, uh, the screening for the prostate cancer, because they may be apprehensive about a rectal exam. That is not part of the screening uh, tool for prostate cancer. It's a blood test. But because that's not really promoted as widely as it should, especially among our black men, a lot of our black men go undiagnosed until the cancer is advanced or they don't get diagnosed at all, really, until it's too late. The same thing with our black women. I had the privilege to attend a beautiful seminar for cancer survivors last year with um, a really beautiful sister, and I learned so much from going to this seminar as far as how in the black community with our black women, they don't tell us about a certain gene that, can be screened for that will let you know if you are predisposed to breast cancer. And also when black women are diagnosed with breast cancer, there's also a test that can be done to look at, um, how can I say, the, the, the way that the cancer cells are so that they can get the appropriate treatment. Because breast cancer doesn't always mean that you have to lose your breast. But, again, they don't promote this in the black community. Now, the surgery that Angelina Jolie had where she had her breast tissue removed and all of that because she had that specific gene, that's what I'm talking about. It's more, it's promoted more in the white community because a lot of them, and, and it's sad to say, they can afford it. There are so many of us, even though, you know, we have, the health care with Obama administration and all of that, there are still so many people that are still either not insured or underinsured. And health care is expensive. It costs. Chemotherapy is expensive. Regular medications are expensive. So it's just not widely promoted. So, yes, without those appropriate screening tools, 
we're not able to detect certain diseases and things that can be prevented and treated appropriately. So, yes, in the black community, they we will see uh, where, you know, our black men are dying from diseases that can be prevented, whereas in the white community it's not always so. Now, I just read, and I'm going to ask this one question, then I'm going to turn it over to Tammy. Uh, I just read that uh, the Cancer Society says that, that that the amount of cancer patients had decreased, but in the black community, it, it's ironic that you brought up cancer, and in the black community, the cancer has uh, increased. Uh, well, more of us are dying from cancer. And do that have something to do with the lack of education, or is it by design? I believe it is both. Um, of course, the education does play a part, but I also feel that it is by design because, you know, when you look in the black community, they have food deserts, for example, where you really don't get the quality of food that you should. You have a, a corner store. There's corner stores everywhere, but there's no food there. When you go in, yes, you may get milk or you can get maybe six eggs, but that's really not food. You can always get some chips, gum, candy. That's not food. Even pick up a six-pack of ramen noodles, but that has no nutritional value. It will fill up your stomach, but it has no nutritional value, and it's full of chemicals. So, you know, we're being attacked on all fronts, lack of education, um, lack of access to medical care, the chemicals and things that are being put in the food. Just it's, it's a combination of things. So it's not just that there's no education. It's all working together in combination. Tammy, go ahead. Yes, I'm here. Uh, she answered like a, a few of my questions already, but um, I just like to know uh, what type of um, restraints do you face at your workplace in the inner cities? Like, what 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 type of constraints do you face? What type of problems do you see in the limitations and the resources? Can you kind of explain to us like um, what you see commonly in the where you work in the inner city and what those restraints are? Well, the most, as, as far as what I see um, from our black men and women in the health uh, care setting is high blood pressure and stress. Mm-hmm. We see that a mm-hmm. lot, and a lot of it, again, is food. You know, we become a generation that does not cook, because when I grew up, we didn't eat out. That was considered a luxury. That was considered something special. Now we are used to eating out a lot. And with eating out, is so many preservatives, so much sodium, so many things in the food that contribute to high blood pressure. Also, um, in our older generation, they are used to eating uh, a lot of things with salt. Pork is number one, 
and they're used to eating that. So a barrier that I face is when I do education and I'm trying to teach them about their diet, a lot of these older uh, patients that I have, they have been raised on a diet full of salt. So to tell them, well, you can't have a certain thing when all of their life they've had it, it can be difficult because it makes them feel as though they're being deprived. So as a nurse, we have to come up with different ways where, okay, well, if you can't have this, then you can have that in, in as a replacement. So that's, that's, that's a barrier that I face as far as education is just always um, coming up with new ways to do something um, so that they don't feel deprived. The same thing with diabetes. That's another thing that's very um, prevalent in our community, and a lot of people don't know that diabetes and high, and high blood pressure they work hand in hand, and diabetes affects so many areas of your body. So another thing that I come up against is with teaching about diabetes, you know, a lot of people in the black community, they don't like needles. So to tell them that they're going to have to give themselves insulin, that's a barrier in itself. Mm-hmm. And also changing uh, the way you eat, the portions that you that you have to eat, um, especially with men. You know, men, they, they like to eat food. You know, they don't want, you know, to have to measure out how much they're eating. They don't want to have to count carbs and all that kind of thing. So it takes a lot of patience and a lot of time. And I think sometimes as healthcare professionals, we, we want to, the doctor is saying, okay, we got to discharge them, we got to get them out which that's fine, but you have to give them a resource to go to when they leave the hospital because you can't exactly. just send something to home and then, it, you know, and then expect them just to catch on like that because it doesn't always work that way, especially our older, our older patients. Mm-hmm. So, so I hear you, know, you saying a lot about re-education. Up with mm-hmm. I hear you talking a lot about re-education. Basically, our community lacks education on what to eat and how to eat it um, and how to get screened for certain things that could be fatal to them. Um, As far as, you know, like you said, diabetes can be fatal. I had a loved one who died from diabetes um, probably about six years ago now. So, and high blood pressure. She had a combination of the two. So they do go hand in Mm -hmm. hand, and I understand that that our community is faced with that at large. I want to ask you a question about, like, what suggestions besides education? I hear you saying a lot about education, and I agree 100%. So I I just want to ask you, what suggestions do you have as far as, you know, to access adequate resources that can enhance, you know, your services? Like, for example, medication or medical equipment or financial resources and human resources, even even human resources. What, What suggestions do you have as a professional? Um, in my experience, um, when I used to do home health nursing, for example, I had access to a lot of free clinics and free services, say, for diabetes. Because at the particular hospital that I worked, they had free diabetes clinics. And mm-hmm. it was 
I felt it was my responsibility as a healthcare provider to get the word out to my patients that could benefit. And a good healthcare professional is more than just giving medication and that's all. You have to look at the whole patient, and I think sometimes, you know, we we forget to look at the person as a whole, not just as someone with, say, diabetes. They're a whole person. So I think as healthcare professionals, we have to make it uh, known to our patients that these things are available. And I think a lot of times we don't, we do not do that. Um, I have seen this, you know, myself where, you know, we just don't make it available to them. And I think sometimes we feel that because we ourselves as healthcare professionals are educated that the patient is going to just take it upon themselves to pick up a diabetes magazine or they're going to dial on the television to the healthcare channel in the hospital and say, oh, well, I want to learn something about the reason why I'm here. They're not going to take that initiative. It's not that they don't want to. A lot of them don't know how. A lot of them, they're afraid. So I think it's incumbent upon us as healthcare professionals to do research. We have to research and see what is available out there, and we have to be willing to go to our people and say, this is what is available to you. Let me help you um, because you know, it's, just, it's not going to be promoted, you know, on television. It's not you know, something that's is going to be blasted over the radio and everybody's going to flock to it. We as healthcare professionals, we have to do the research and get the information to our people. And that's how of them knowing, you know, what's available. We have to tell them because they don't always know to ask. And a lot of times they, they're not going to ask because they don't know. Yes. For our listeners, just press 1. If you have a question or uh, if you have a comment about the uh, topic this evening, now, uh, wow, you really are really educating us and breaking it down for us, uh, Miss Muhammad. I really appreciate uh, your time in doing this. Um, how come we don't get the best resources? How come uh, we don't get the best care when we're diagnosed? With uh, 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 a medical uh, disorder, uh, we necessarily doesn't don't get the best care as out there. Uh, and how come the resources are provided for us so we can know? How come we're not encouraged well, to get that get that information? It's been my it's been my experience that. A lot of times where the, the, the best care is, we, we are not there. It is not in our area where we live. Um, we just do not have access to it because it's not in our area. Just like I was speaking about the, uh, the food desert, a lot of people don't want to drive across town to a better grocery store to get groceries. Some of it is because we as a people may be a little lazy and we don't want to drive the extra mile to go and get something better because we have something right here and we're going to make what we have right here work. 
some people may not have access to transportation to get them to a doctor that will give them the care that they need. And honestly, some of it is the healthcare professional themselves. I have seen this where, you know, some don't want to be bothered. And they feel as though those with Medicare or Medicaid or um, some type of state insurance is less than. And so are let's you, just give are them you, Are you basic. saying that, 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 that there are uh, health care providers clinics that they'll have a high uh, a high a highly um, respect for Medicare Medicaid or people that receive Medicare Medicaid I have seen this I'm not going to everywhere but I have seen healthcare professionals who you know when patients come in and they have Medicaid it's kind of like, ugh, you know, here's a poor, you know, it's just a poor person. Another poor person. Coming yeah, in, absolutely. you know, to get care. And, you know, that's something that has to change because everyone deserves quality medical care, whether you have top-notch insurance or none at all. Absolutely. And... You know, the Medicare guidelines have changed a lot from when I used to do home health. When I used to do home health, you could get a little bit more. Now they're giving you the bare minimum, and um, whatever you're getting, you better stretch it because, you know, it, they may say, okay, you may have no more visits left. So some of it, you know, again, is the healthcare system itself. But, again, unfortunately, you have some healthcare providers who, you know, they don't want to deal with people with state insurance, like Medicaid. They don't want to deal with that because they feel like, well, I'm not going to get paid on time. Or, you know, again, it's it's the stigma of, quote, unquote, being poor and that they are less than or less deserving because, you know, they're, these are my taxpayer dollars you know, going in their mouth or, you know, or whatever. They just have a, a certain stigma about those that are, quote, unquote, poor. And that's, that's unfortunate to, because they're just deserving. Very unfortunate. Very unfortunate because we have our youth and our children who are lacking in nutrition and our our elders who cannot perform for the youth because they're sick with diabetes or other things. They can't go to the elders. And a lot of broken homes in the inner cities. So when you get a situation where, like you said, there's food deserts and then there's lack of uh, of um, home care, like as far as the parents being, two parents being in one home to care for a family, there's lacking in all areas. And when it comes to medical, I mean, that's in itself, having a broken home, living in the inner city, living so close together, you know, that in itself can cause health issues. And when you go to a health professional right. and cannot get the care that you deserve and need, then that's just like they're waiting for you to just pass away because basically our, right. our mortality, the mortality rate for our youth, our children are even higher than ever, it's ever been. So it's a real concerning right. issue that we need to, you know, take our – 
time to to think about and to contemplate and how to help our own people because if we continue to wait on the state to do something or we continue to wait on health care providers who are not willing to assist or not willing to help, then we're, we're, we are in trouble as a people that, because that, when you look at the inner correct. cities, it's mostly us. It's just us. It's us and, 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 and Latinos. So, I mean, we are the people who are who, who are <laughs> occupying the inner cities and you know, that's why there's not that's why it's lack of care. So when you go to the suburbs, you know, you don't have that problem because the healthcare professionals right. are there to assist you and help you and give you the medication you need and give you the medical screening that you need. But in the inner cities we can't get that and that's a problem for us because if we continue to let our our youth go this way or our families go this way, we're gonna all just be in a lot of trouble. So the solutions is right. now what we have to come up with, some solutions for our people because, like you, I can hear it in your voice um, how much you care and how concerned you are. And I know that there's others like mm-hmm. you that are equally, con- you know, as concerned. And if we get enough people together to talk about these issues seriously on some serious level and be willing to even volunteer their time to educate our people because of, you know, Lack of education. That's why people perish for lack of knowledge. They don't understand. They don't know. They don't know how to help themselves. They don't know how to feed themselves. And it's sad because I'm sure at some point it, it, it hadn't always been that way, but since we are here in the, in the States, here in America, and we're being told what to eat and what the food pyramid is and how much of what we're supposed to eat and, you know, so on and so forth, I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of that is right. not even nutrition for our bodies, you know, um, having right. a lot of meat is not good. Having, you know, vegetables is better. You know, but we have been taught to really kind of despise the very things that are good for us. Like you were saying, you know, right. how people like to eat pork, and pork is like got to be the worst thing that you can actually put in your body to eat um, because of the, mm-hmm. the the animal itself is just not a clean animal. It's not something that you really want to eat. But we've been taught, our generations have been taught to eat that, and a lot of it comes from a long line of uh, generational, uh, you know, it's, I would say it's just like a, it's like a generational curse almost because how many people, do you know, are still eating chitlins, you know, in 2016? Right. I mean, imagine. Mm-hmm. And then and that came from an old way of slavery, you know. So we just, right. like, we have to re-educate ourselves and we have to come out of, this system that we've been that's been embedded in our minds in order for us to get our bodies healthy and keep our bodies healthy because we can combat disease with just eating right. Right. We can combat and, disease and also, with just eating right. Mhm. I mean, um, healthcare is is a business. Yes. I mean, I look at even though you have people who have insurance, the copays. Some of those copays are like wow. Really, mm-hmm. and um, the what, 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 is the, mm-hmm. what is the insurance going to cover? Because the copays <laughs> are out of this world, and a lot of times, if you don't have, you know, support from your family and whatnot, I don't, I don't understand. You know, I really don't know what people would do. For example, you just went through. Um, uh, our grandfather passed away, and before two years prior. Um, our grandmother was diagnosed with colon cancer, and she passed away. Um, and if it had not been for them having multiple health insurance, 
colleges because my grandfather was in the Army, so he had coverage from that. And then also my grandmother kept her insurance for when she retired. Mm -hmm. If it had not been for that and for our family pulling together to help take care of them at home, I do not know what we would have done. Yeah, wow. And that speaks to when you were talking about uh, homes being broken and things, we don't have the family support because it's more than, you know, someone being sick. It's hard on the family. And a lot of times in, in taking care of a family member, you yourself can become sick just because of the stress because you have no mm-hmm. support. So it's, you have to, again, look at the whole situation. It's not just, you know, we don't have access to health care. We don't have support from one another, you know, that we can pull from because being having health issues is, is stressful in itself, and that can bring on other issues that we don't even we're not even ready for because we're so stressed out from being sick from the first condition. So that, you know, it's, it's, it's so many different facets to uh, health in the black community more than just, you know, lack of education and lack of Mhm. Yeah. And we talk a lot about diabetes and high blood pressure and um, cancer. And the, But I, I want to ask you more about um HIV in, in, in that aspect. It says here, um, I was reading from the National um, Infectious Disease, they have put out a, 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 a form that says that the mortality rate increased by 58% in 1980 through 1992. So um, do you see a lot of um, men coming in between the ages of 25 and 44 that have been like, you know, infected or women that's infected with this disease where you work or in your field? Where, you know, I'm not sure about where, what. Where I work right now, I have not seen that age group. Mm-hmm. Um, but over over my span of being a nurse, I used to see it in younger people. But now I'm starting to see in older people, like mm-hmm. over 40. Wow. Um, part of that is because they may feel that like a safe zone, so to speak, whereas, you know, your older person, you're single, you may become involved with another older person and you are thinking in your mind, you know, that they're older, they're more mature, they're not. Um, being promiscuous and not being involved in certain risky behaviors that promote HIV when that may not necessarily be the case. So I'm starting to see it even in older people. And that is surprising to me Um, just because of, like I said, when HIV and AIDS first came out, I was in high school, and it was so many young people that were being affected, but as, you know, time has gone on, it's starting to be uh, people that are older. Um, And I I just know that there are different antivirals that they give them and so many different mixtures and cocktails of that um, to help with the HIV, I, I, I myself don't necessarily know, you know, 
all the ins and outs about those. Um, so I can't really speak, you know, on the medication part. I can just speak on the age group that I have seen. And, you know, like I said, I've seen, I'm starting to see more older people that are affected by HIV. And I think that just goes back to educating the people as well to know that, you know, I'm I'm sure, you know, everyone has heard an education forum on HIV and how to prevent it and and other STDs. But I think that that's something that should be more in the forefront of also when we're talking to our people in the communities to protect themselves and to be very mindful of their bodies and how they're conducting themselves out in the community. So that's all about health and how we should – we need to kind of like reinvent ourselves at this point because the way that we're going right now, it doesn't, it's not the way that I see our inner cities and our communities. Now I know that there's positive programs in the communities, and I know that there's people that are out there that are working towards what we're talking about, re-educating people, but it can't do it alone. It takes like a group. It takes like a, a community to build it. We have to build our communities back up. It takes us, not just like one mm-hmm. individual can do it, you know? So, it's just it's interesting how, you know, the lack of education is what's really um, tearing our health apart, like, make, you know, making us sick. And if we start to educate ourselves more, I think that that would, that would be a large part to help, rem, you know, a large step in the right direction to remedy this situation with our health. That way we can move on to other issues that we have because we have a lot of aspects in our communities that we have to address. And health, without health, mm-hmm. we cannot do anything. Without being healthy, we cannot right. do anything. So, And I've heard you talk about the food deserts in the communities. Um, do you know of any um, – where, where exactly – what community do you work in? What part of the inner city do you work in? Can you tell us a little bit about the area that you work in and what, what you see on a regular basis about, like, as far as community trying to build and try to be, you know, more – Involved? Do you see? Do you, have you been able to connect with any people who are more involved involved in the community? Yes. Um, well, just a little background on me. I'm a travel nurse, so about every three to six months, I take an assignment in a new hospital. So I have had the opportunity to travel all over the United States, and I'm originally from North Carolina. Currently, I'm in. Richmond, California, but I work in Oakland. And something mm-hmm. that I notice here in, in California, especially uh, well, in Oakland where I work, there are a lot of liquor stores. Now, from North Carolina, we don't we have that, but it's not like corner stores. They they are ABC stores, government regulated. These are like you can go into CVS and get alcohol. I've never seen that before. Mm-hmm ever in my life and I was just like, Wow, like you can it's just like a, a liquor store in the drugstore. So you can pick up your prescription and get a fist and go on out the door. So <laughs> I noticed that there are so many liquor stores, like little corner stores everywhere, especially, you know, in the black community. It's not just one. I mean there there's just almost every other uh shop is a liquor store. And, you know, in those stores, not only do they have the alcohol, but, you know, they have junk food. And that's really what's being given to our our, our black men and women. And, you know, the grocery stores, you have to, like, travel 
to the grocery store to get, you know, good groceries. And um, mm. that, that's just something, you know, that I noticed. And it's, and it's sad to me because, unfortunately, you know, part of it is that we don't know any better. But another part is that we accept this as how it's supposed to be, and this is not how it's supposed to be. Um, I do know um, of a sister, uh, Sister Elaine Brown, and she has a community garden. She was um, mm-hmm. former leader of the Black Panther Party, and I had the privilege to meet her, and she is an awesome, awesome, awesome woman. If you ever have a chance to meet her, you will. She She's a wonderful person, but... She um, has urban gardens that um, in Oakland that help promote growth. And then, you know, there are some gardens that I have seen around um, community gardens, but there, there's still not that many, you know, and it's just a matter of, you know, those that do know just getting out and getting involved in the community. Again, like I said, as a healthcare professional, really it's our duty to get to get that word out. I don't know much about gardening, but you know I do know people who do. So you know it's incumbent on me to link up with them to see, okay, well, how do we start? How do you start a, a community garden? You know, do we have to do our research on how to do that? Um, so, like I said, I've seen a few, but not not a lot. Yes, yeah. I want to talk. I want to go back. I want to go back and talk about uh, when you were discussing the relationship between the healthcare uh, system, well, healthcare personnel, and 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 the black community. Um, how do you feel about the clinics in our neighborhood, you know, like in Oakland and, and and New York and Chicago, Houston? You know, how do you feel about the uh, the healthcare clinics that are put in that are placed in our uh, neighborhoods and and the personnel that had to work with uh, the residents in that community that may not be from that community. I feel that the clinics are important. However, I feel that you know they could they could use some improvement. Um, there are some clinics that are not open for very long, like they may be only open for a few hours, a few days a week. So that really doesn't give a lot of time to serve the community. And it could be, you know, due to lack of staff to work there. It could be due to lack of funding, different things like that. But um, I have had just a little experience with community and I feel that they're good. They, we just need to be able to be open longer so that we can serve our community and um, also to have the staff because there are a lot of people, you know, again, that don't have health insurance or have very, you know, are, or are not um, fully insured who do need help, but if you're not open, let's say, from 8 to 12, Two days a week, how many people are you going to be able to serve? You know, uh, talk about the relationship. Yeah, 
I know, but talk about the relationship. How have our view, I remember at one time, it was like going to see the doctor was like going to see the boogeyman. So how has the, how has our understanding and, and, and interaction with the medical profession has uh, been like in the last couple of uh, decades? Has it improved? Do we show for our appointments? Uh, do we follow recommendations? Or do we, or we still have a problem with the medical profession as far as us? Like you said earlier, you know, black men do not want to get their prostate uh, prostate exam. And I know that you have to get it every year. Uh, uh, and then the colonoscopy once every two or three years, depending on how old you are. The show, getting us to trust. Because historically, there have been some negative, negative uh, 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 views about the medical profession towards the black community. You know, how has our trust been towards the medical community? Well, I would say our trust, you know, we still don't have a lot of trust in them. And unfortunately, we don't prioritize our health care until we're sick. We, and especially as women, we women are are notorious for that because we are the nurturers of the family. We are the caregivers for the family. We take care of everyone else first, and then ourselves. And usually, we don't really go to the doctor until it's like we we just can't take it anymore. As far as you know, the follow ups and all. Uh, it's been my experience. It's, it's kind of fifty-fifty. Sometimes, you know, depending on what it is, because you know, a lot of people are in denial. They're like, "Well, I don't have diabetes. I'm not sick." But then, when they start, you know, having to amputate limbs and things like that, then all of a sudden, you want to get involved. Yeah, but your leg is gone. So, you know, there is still some resistance as far as going to the doctor just for a regular checkup. A lot of people, again, don't feel that, well, I don't feel sick. I, I feel fine. I work every day. You know, I go to church. I go about my regular activities. There's nothing wrong with me. But you don't know until, you know, something happens. Like my grandmother was the same way. She went to the doctor religiously. When she was working, she went and had that checkup every year. When she retired, it's like that's the end of me going to the doctor. I don't want anything to do with it. And then when she found out she had colon cancer, I was the doctor was asking her, when was the last time you went to the bathroom? And she said, a month. I said, a month? Like, what are you talking about? And she was like, well, you know, I was going, you know, here and there. I'm like, no, 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 that's not normal. But by that time, not only did she have colon cancer, it had started to invade her kidneys, so it had started to spread. I mean, it was it was to the mm-hmm. point where, you know, it, it, it was that bad. So, again, you know, that's where education comes in, that it's important to get checked. Even if there's nothing wrong, it's, it's better to know that nothing is wrong than for you to go on and on and on and something it would really be bad. I mean, when I first started nursing, 
being a nurse, I worked on a women's surgery unit. And you would not believe the, the number of women who never, when I say never, I mean never went to the doctor to have their female exam. Wow. And then they wind up with all kinds of things wrong with them. And I just, I could not understand, like, why do you not go to the doctor? And the main reason was, well, I'm, I, don't, I didn't feel sick. So, again, just stressing the importance of going to the doctor to get a checkup. Um, I know Tom Joyner has a campaign where it's, uh, take take your loved one to the doctor, and it's a, it's a certain day that he promotes that where, you know, to go to the doctor to get a checkup because we don't. And, you know, don't even talk about giving medication or follow-up because for some people it's either medicine or food. Which which one? And that's the choice that some people have to make is, you know, am I going to get my prescription filled or am I going to eat? Because, again, you know, healthcare is a business. Medi- medication and the pharmaceutical industry is big money. Yes. So, yes. you know, they're going to mark up the the cost of drugs and and things, and a lot of times they may give you a pill and it costs something else, and they give you another pill to combat what the first pill caused, and it's, it's an ongoing cycle. So, you know, again, education, eating right, exercise, those type things are all preventative measures that that we can can use. The thing is, is we just have to get the word out and encourage, encourage our people. You have to go to the doctor and get checked out. You have to do this once a year. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. How do you feel about uh, naturopathic medicine? There was a lot about Dr. Sebi out. I was actually, I'm actually one of his. Um, I was taking some of his supplements. How do you feel about naturopathic medicine? And what's your views on it? Hello. Um, medication from the from the the Ms. Mahama, are you still there? Tim? Oh, I think we, yeah, I'm here. I think we might have lost her. I hear I heard her talking brief and then just kinda like went off. So maybe we lost her. No, she's still on the board. She is she? Ms. Muhammad? Hello? Hello, Ms. Muhammad? Oh oh I guess she she she'll come back. Um Yeah. Yeah. So so like Ms. Muhammad says an interesting thing. What got me She did. What got me is that is that well, what strikes me is how nutrition, health, and lifestyle, as well as economics, all integrated. Yes, they all go together. Education. We, you know, and I like what you said about the, the basically the lack of education or the miseducation of our people, because basically that's 
has a lot to do with why we're not eating the things that help us be healthy and not living a lifestyle that is healthy. But like she said about the corner stores, the liquor stores on every corner in Oakland, I'm from Oakland, so I know that that's the truth. That's absolutely the fact. That's, that was happening when I was a kid. So, you know, I could imagine now going to CVS and getting a fifth with your medication. That she made an excellent point how that, you know, how we are just kind of like, led to think that that's okay when it's really not. Yeah, and, like, it was ironic because, like, where I'm from, which is the New York area, NYC, shout out to NYC, uh, especially (laughs) Brooklyn, uh, uh, you you could buy beer 24 hours a day, including Sundays. Mm -hmm. You can't buy liquor 24 hours a day, but you could buy beer 24 hours a day. Um, wow. And, and, yeah. Uh, we, have to, we have some listeners that join us. Uh, you have to press 1 if you want to ask a question or make a comment. We're speaking about health care in the black community. Uh, so, I, I, so our lifestyle has to be corrected. The way we eat, and it was ironic she brought up about uh, the foods that we eat, the processed foods, and how we eat out more. Uh, like, yeah. like I don't see kids go to McDonald's for their breakfast, go to McDonald's for their lunch, and go to McDonald's for dinner every single day. And you know that that's straight poison. That is straight poison. Eating McDonald's that off, that is straight kids. That's basically giving your child slow poison if you're giving them McDonald's every day. First of all, once a day is too many. And for once a day, it should be like never. Like never give your kid McDonald's. You know, three times oh, a day, that's, that's, that's yeah, trying. That's just, that's just like you're killing your kid. So any fast food. And, and, you know, that's just where education comes in because we were thinking, you know, for, you know, there was a time when I would buy out, it's been like over 10 years, like McDonald's or, or Burger King, but I never buy fast food anymore because I know the implications of that. I know how that's going to affect my health and affect the health of my child. So I would never like buy it now. But when you don't know, you don't, you don't know when you lack knowledge, you don't know. I, I'm guilty of buying. I still eat it. I, I still buy a pizza. You know, that when I eat out, I like that pizza. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was only bread, tomato sauce, and cheese. Miss Muhammad, you're back. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, I was just saying while while uh, you were, went away, how uh, for what you explained is that uh, our, our nutrition. Our lifestyle yeah. and mm-hmm. the economics in our community is all related to our medical health. Right. So how can we, we were just commenting on how they sell in certain communities across the country, like you could, like where I'm from, you could buy beer 24 hours a day. Yeah, right. uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, seeing kids going to McDonald's early in the morning before they go to school. Right. And when they come home from school, they're getting dinner from McDonald's. So, 
like uh, what, what Tammy was saying or, or either about educating, educating. So how can we educate uh, uh, our people on going to the doctor on a regular basis, even if you don't get a, even if you don't trust the doctor, changing our eating habits, mm-hmm. and stop putting the salt in the collard greens. You know, it tastes better without <laughs> all that salt. <laughs> you know, so right. how, how can we re-educate? How can we get that message out? Because like. Like uh, 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 I'm an older guy, and um, like like when I was young, I never heard of people going to dialysis and having diabetes and whatnot. Now we got juvenile diabetes in our in, in yeah, our amen. community across this country. Mm-hmm. We right. got we got. I mean, like uh, I never knew somebody when I was young. I never knew somebody going to get going to dialysis. Now they got vans picking up people. Going to dialysis three right. times a day. We talk about the business right. aspect of it, you know. So how can we re-educate uh, 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 our people the importance of having proper medical care, proper medical care? Excuse me. Well, I think it starts with you have to change your mindset that. We deserve more, and we deserve better. And I think once we change this, the mindset where we don't have to accept the liquor store on the corner as my source of getting food, that I don't have to accept that the McDonald's and the Wendy's and the Taco Bell in my neighborhood is my only source of getting something to eat. When we start to change our thinking and have knowledge of self as far as who who you are as a person and that you deserve more, then you'll want more. And you you will um, develop a, a habit of taking care of yourself and spreading that to others. I mean, I was the same way. I grew up, you know, with the pork and you know, all that kind of stuff. And I didn't see anything wrong with it. I mean, I ate chitlins for years, and I didn't see anything. Yes, it's whole guts, but so what? My grandma makes them good, and I like it. I never saw anything wrong with it until I realized that, okay, that's, you're eating the intestines of an animal. Okay, that's, you know, that that's not what, um, and we all know what goes through intestines, right? <laughs> right. Well, really, that's 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 not the best food to eat. Yes, <laughs> as slaves we ate it, you yeah. know, because yeah. that's all we had. But I'm not a slave, yeah. and I Absolutely. I can do better than that. So you know, one really knowledge of self. That's where it starts. We have to know that, you know, who we are as a people, and we don't have to accept the crumbs. We don't have to accept the crumbs. We accept it because that's right. in some situations that's all we have, and we think that, that this is the pie. No, you're just getting the crumbs, and you don't have to accept that. And once you take a stand to say, I'm not going to have another McDonald's in my neighborhood, 
Wow. And you make movement Lord, you to, fight to, for that. to make that a reality. Right. I mean, you have to look at, you know, if you have a two-for-one menu and you're getting two hamburgers for the price of one, meat's not that cheap. If the if meat is that cheap, what, what are you eating? What What is yeah. in that? And I have seen, you know, people do experiments where they take a McDonald's hamburger and they leave it out, and that hot hamburger is out for months and months, and it doesn't mold, it doesn't spoil, nothing. It's the same hamburger. The answer is yeah. You go and you eat this. All right, ladies. So, again, knowledge of seven. All right, ladies. With two minutes left, Ms. Muhammad, can you explain to people that are listening and, and, and that's going to download this show. It's going to be a lot of people downloading this show. So can you explain to them the importance of the medical exam, routine medical exam? The final uh, word. The importance of the medical. Oh, or, or any uh, importance of about the medical, medical uh, health field, health care. Okay. The, the, the point that I want to leave is that um, you have to have your health. If you don't have your health, you don't have you. And in order to be able to be a productive member of society, you have to be healthy so that you can get out amongst your people. And, you know, health is wealth. So please get your checkups, you know, get your screenings for breast cancer, prostate cancer. Take care of yourself because you are the only person that you have. And once you're gone, you're no more. There's never been a person before you, and there's never going to be a person after you. That is you. So you have to take care of yourself. Thank you, Ms. Muhammad. Right. I really enjoyed, Thank you. enjoyed you uh, on this show. Thank you. And Tammy, Thank you for uh, having uh, me. Good, good to have you this week again. And um, I'd just like to say, y'all go get those exams. And now I've got to go out and make a, an appointment for myself. Uh, that was Ms. Uh, Mrs. Yes, Michelle Muhammad. Huh? That's it, yes, me. sir. <laughs> uh, good night to you. And uh, I just want to say, this is Black Herb America, sponsored by Queen Mother for Real Media. And you got, this is Black Herb America with Kenny and Tammy every Tuesday at 8 o'clock. As I always sign off, I am because we are, we are because I am. Now, everybody heard the nurse, the nurse is never wrong, so y'all go out and get that uh, medical exam. Brothers, go get that prostate exam. Don't be scared. Good night. 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 Good night.